Before we get to this show, I want to make sure you know about our new podcast, Making Marketing. It's a show where Shireen Patak talks to the biggest names in the marketing world about the decisions they make in the business every day. Check it out. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Anchor.fm. Or you can go to digiday.com and learn more. Hello and welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sangal, and today I have a session from the Digiday Retail Forum held here in New York City. Here, Kelly Colston gives you some golden rules for digital marketing when in retail. Kelly is the VP of Marketing at Eloquy. Listen in for some lessons on the LTV CAC ratio and the Honeycrisp principle. If you're not familiar with Eloquy, we are a startup in plus-size women's apparel, so we make fast fashion sizes 14 to 28. We started out as e-commerce only four years ago, and now we have five stores and actually opening a sixth within the next week, so come see us in Miami. Um, just a little bit about me. I am a data-driven marketer. Before I came to Eloquy, I led customer acquisition marketing for diapers.com, which was part of Quidzy, which was acquired by Amazon. So I've got kind of that data-driven DNA all the way through. So today we're going to talk about marketing analytics. And specifically, I want to talk about three things. First of all, the LTV CAC ratio. Second of all, the Fox Mulder rule. And then the Honeycrisp principle. So out of the three of these, one is real and two I made up. So we're going to start with the real one so I can get a little credibility first. And that's the LTV CAC ratio. Um, and this may seem obvious, but I want to talk about it for a while because this to me is the golden metric of marketing analytics. Um, there's two parts to this. There's LTV or lifetime value. And then there's CAC or customer acquisition cost. When you look at the ratio of those two things, then you're essentially saying, relative to how much I spent to acquire someone, what's the amount of profit over their lifetime that I expect to gain from them? So looking at this as a ratio, essentially in one metric will tell you everything you know you need to know about your buyer economics and the health of your business. So just an example of what these numbers might look like, but I want to have a huge disclaimer. These are not real numbers. This does not represent Eloquy, so don't go telling anybody it does or I'll get in trouble. Um, but for LTV, you might think of that as, okay, over their lifetime, the average customer is going to place 4.5 orders at $120 AOV. So over their lifetime, then that might be $540 of revenue, or if you have a 50% profit margin, $270 in profit. Sounds pretty good to me. Um, and then on the other side of that, your CAC. Uh, you might say, okay, in a given month, we spent $100,000, acquired 2,000 customers, so that's a $50 blended CAC. Uh, the ratio of those two numbers then, in this example, is 5.4x. So that, to me, looks like a great ratio. I won't tell you what a good ratio is for your business, because every business is different. I will say, however, though, that across industries, 3x is a pretty well-accepted benchmark for what a good LTV CAC ratio is. So if you're looking at 3x, you're saying for every dollar I invest in acquisition marketing, I'm making $3 back over the lifetime of the customer. Um, to address one thing quickly, I think a lot of people have a pain point in calculating LTV. Um, a lot of you here today, I'm sure your companies have an LTV forecast, but you might say, ooh, it's not very good, or I don't know how good it is, I don't know if I can trust it. So just one uh, little suggestion I would make, there's a great company to look into called Castora, if you're not already familiar with it. It's C-U-S-T-O-R-A, Castora. Um, and it, they're a predictive analytics platform. 
So they take in all of your customer data every day and they run all kinds of different predictive analytics on it, including things like, which of my customers have an affinity for dresses? Which of my customers do I predict are about to churn? And what is the predictive lifetime value of my customers? And since they do it at the buyer level every day, it's really easy to go in and slice your data and say, okay, now I don't just wanna look at my LTV CAC ratio across my entire business, but I wanna look at that ratio only for customers I acquire from affiliate marketing. Or I wanna look at that ratio only for customers who buy pants on their first order. So you can put in things like that so you can start to really understand where are the slices of my business that I really wanna focus my scale so I can maximize my overall LTV CAC ratio. I would just advocate to everyone here that if you're still basing most of your marketing decisions on immediate ROI, so saying like, I'm gonna invest a dollar today, what am I gonna get back today? I would just advocate that you start flipping your thinking to this LTV CAC ratio optimization because it's no longer thinking about what's gonna happen today, but it's what's gonna happen in the future. What are the revenue streams I'm acquiring as I acquire customers and how am I optimizing toward that? So it's a much longer term view of the health of your business. And also, ROI is just so 2008, so, you know. Um, okay, let's talk about the Fox Mulder rule. So I wanna ask a question first. Um, this is, how much do you trust your data? So show of hands, who trusts third-party data that you get, say, for how Facebook reports that your marketing is performing? Ooh, harsh, I see no hands. Who trusts your first-party data? So data that you own that lives in your database. Okay, I see a lot of hands. Trick question, trust no data. <laughs> so, li little known fact about me, I was a huge X-Files fan when I was in eighth grade. Um, really into Fox Mulder. I had a composition notebook that was covered in pictures of David Duchovny, so needless to say, I was really cool and popular. Um, everyone else had Jonathan Taylor Thomas, I was just on a different track. Uh, but so, David Duchovny played Fox Mulder in the X-Files and he was the paranoid guy who believed in aliens and in his like little basement office in the FBI had a poster that said trust no one. So my version of that is trust no data because until you validate it independently, you don't know what it's telling you because data can't speak. So it's not saying to you, wait a second, your query was wrong or I didn't update yesterday, but no one knows. So if you're not getting that information from the data, you have to proactively look for it. The most common mistake that I see in my team's analyses are this, just that the data was wrong. It's not that they looked at it wrong or that they ran the analytics wrong. It's that the data itself was not representing what they thought it was. So channel your inner fox molder, be paranoid. You don't have to believe in aliens, but just be paranoid a little bit and validate all data, third party, first party, anything, with one quick number even before you start the analysis. It's gonna save you so much time and prevent you from making a lot of mistakes. Okay, the last thing I wanna talk about is the Honeycrisp principle. So we're talking about apples here. I like apples, so you're getting an apple metaphor. Uh, so everybody's heard that you need to compare apples to apples. Um, so the idea of that is you need to compare two like things in order to get a useful comparison out of them. So let's think about two buckets of apples here. One represents paid search, the other one represents paid social. So for paid search, my bucket of apples there has a $50 CAC, and my paid social bucket of apples has a $60 CAC. So customer acquisition costs, if you're staying with me. So if I say you have $1,000 to invest in one of these today, where are you gonna invest it? I think everybody's probably gonna say, I want the lower CAC, I'm gonna invest in paid search. So you would put that marketing money there. 
But let's think about within that bucket of apples, what's going on? So we've got two different kinds of apples in there. There's Granny Smith's and there's Honeycrisp's. Now these two apples, this, stay with me guys, have very different purposes, right? If I'm baking a pie, I probably want a Granny Smith, but if I want a tasty snack, I probably want a Honeycrisp. At least if you're me, I want a Honeycrisp. So comparing those two apples when they have a different end use is not really a fair comparison. And it's gonna lead you potentially to make some wrong decisions. So let's instead, let's dig into those buckets of apples and let's see what kinds of apples we have in there. So within paid search, it has a $50 CAC overall, but there's actually two campaigns within paid search in this example. We've got low funnel and we've got high funnel. Low funnel is like branded paid search, right? It's when someone goes to Google and types in Eloquy, my brand name. That's low funnel because they already knew about me. They were already warmed up to me. They have a really high purchase intent. Also, no one else was bidding on that term, so I've got a really good cost. So my CAC in low funnel is $5. But then I also have my high funnel CAC. That's when people Google plus size clothing or plus size dresses, and I'm serving them an Eloquy ad, and they maybe had never heard of Eloquy before. So I'm doing a lot more work there with that customer. I have to make them aware of us, I have to make them consider us, I have to try to bring them all the way down the funnel in one fell swoop, so my CAC there's a lot higher, it's $100. So again, I've got the big basket of apples, but then within it, I've got different kinds that look very different from each other. I've got the same set over in paid social then. So when you look at the buckets at a high level, you've got a $50 CAC and a $60 CAC, but it, now if I say you have $1,000 to invest, you might make a really different choice. Um, and when you look at these, one thing to keep in mind is low funnel CAC is almost always maxed out, right? I'm already maximizing my brand paid search spend. I'm already maximizing my retargeting. So those Granny Smiths are gone. If you invest dollars, they're not going to the Granny Smiths, they're going to the Honeycrisps. So now if I say you have $1,000, where are you gonna choose to invest it? You're actually gonna choose paid social because your scalable CAC there, your Honeycrisp CAC, is $80 compared to the $100 over from paid search. So once you go a level deeper and you say, I'm not just comparing apples to apples, I wanna compare the right kind of apple to the right kind of apple that has the same end use, then you might make a very different decision. So don't just compare apples to apples. Go a level deeper until you feel really confident that you're comparing two buckets, whether it's in marketing spend or if you're comparing profit margins, anything, that have the same end use so that you know that where you're investing money is the right place to invest. And remember the Honeycrisp. So the three things we talked about today, LTV CAC ratio, Fox Mulder rule, Honeycrisp principle, one real, two fake, but hopefully all useful, and hopefully everybody found something you can take back to work tomorrow and put to good use. Thanks, guys. Really, really educational. I learned a lot just now. But let's dig into a little bit more specific about what Eloquy mm -hmm. is doing to enact this. Sure. Um, so you mentioned, you, you know, just customer acquisition costs. What's mm -hmm. your biggest paid channel then? Well, I mean, I, I won't go into too many specifics. We are active in pretty much all the same digital channels that I'm sure most of your companies are active in. Two channels that I think are really interesting, though, that we are active in. Um, one is direct mail. It's, you know, a little old school, but we have a great catalog program that really surprised me, frankly, when we launched it. Because I'm, you know, a digital marketer, I'm 
you know, I've always been online. I want everything to be super trackable. Um, and I was really surprised when I saw how profitable our catalog channel could be. And it was really because the LTV CAC ratio there is so high. We have a great LTV from catalog customers. They tend to be about 20% higher than our average customer in terms of LTV. Mm -hmm. um, and I attribute that to the fact that they're sitting with the catalog first and they're just building up demand as they page through it. So it's not just like, oh, I saw an ad that featured one dress that I might want to buy. Instead, it's like, I saw great dresses, I saw great workwear, I want that pair of leggings. Um, so they tend to have a higher average order value, therefore a higher LTV. So I think that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. oh. I think what the most important thing, we have people from marketing teams where their C-suite doesn't really get this long-term mm -hmm. value. They, want, they still want those 2008 mm -hmm. immediate results. How do you have mm -hmm. those conversations with yeah. like, how do you get your CEO on the same page as a marketer? Because you're in the weeds, and you, you can see that this is all happening, yes. but they, they are not. Well, I'm really lucky to be in a digitally native company who everyone in my company believes in data. My CEO, Mariah Chase, if you've ever met her or seen her speak, she's incredible and she lives and dies by data because I think we all really believe that you know, data can tell you things that might change everything you thought about your customer and your business, and you just have to be willing to be open to it. Um, so luckily, I don't have that problem. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what's really compelling about looking at something like lifetime value is everybody likes the idea of acquiring a revenue stream that's going to deliver in the future, right? Like, that's, that's really compelling to say, like, I'm going to do work today that's going to be paying off for the next two, four, ten years, and I can prove it. I can show you the data that predicts what someone's going to spend over time. Um, I think looking at it that way is a way, especially a lot of people who are used to looking at financials and ongoing revenue streams, can really understand a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And when we are thinking about customer, like the price is going up, it's going up. So we have organic social. Organic means of, of getting the word out there. Mm -hmm. How do you track that? Like, how do you do you work with? Are you working with like influencers, gifting, like? Yeah. How, how do you me measure what's happening there? We do, um, and wherever possible with influencers, we're using UTM tagging parameters so that we can you know, go into Google Analytics, go into our systems, and understand, did someone click on something to get them here? Um, that doesn't always work, though, right? A lot of organic activity, it just happens out in the world, and you know, they're not following a very convenient click stream always <laughs> that allows you to track them. Um, so what we'll look at then is we'll track LTV of uh, small date ranges. So if I know we got a big PR bump on Saturday the 12th, then I might isolate a group of customers and say, I'm going to track over time the customers I acquire from the 12th through the 14th, because that's when I saw a little revenue bump from that PR. So I'm going to say, I'm just going to track them as a group. I know all of them didn't come from that PR, but I know that group is going to be weighted toward those who came from PR. So I want to see how they compare to everyone else. I mean, that just, it's not going to give you an exact number, but it'll help you understand directionally, are those high or low value customers you're acquiring from that channel? Mm -hmm. And how do you take customers that might have encountered a Facebook ad or uh, like came in through paid search into mm -hmm. an email subscriber or a direct mail subscriber, like someone that you can actively get into your uh, customer database and, and keep targeting over and over again? Well, it, I mean, if they make a purchase, then I can track everyone, because they did click a nice, right. friendly, clickable yeah. stream. Say they just back browsed and If and they just left. browsed and came back, um, then you know, we're putting them into different retargeting groups. Um, and we do isolate those as much as possible with, uh, with our agency partners to say, OK, if we put up a series of high funnel Facebook ads that were a certain video campaign, let's actually funnel them then into a different retargeting campaign and keep them isolated versus others who go into our general retargeting campaign so that I can try and understand over time what's the, 
effective conversion rate of that original spend and what's the effective LTV. Mm -hmm. And when they're, what teams are you working with most often internally? Oh my gosh, all the teams. <laughs> Everyone has to deal with me, whether they like it or not. Um, so uh, I, I lead the performance marketing team. We also have a brand team. I work obviously very closely with the brand team. Um, the brand team really sets the guidelines of, you know, here, here's how we talk about ourselves, here's how we represent ourselves, um, and then I take that and say, okay, within those guidelines, I'm gonna optimize toward what performs the best. But those are sort of the guardrails of how we talk about the brand and represent the brand. Um, the technology team certainly, I mean, I am all up in their business all the time, and I really think the partnership of marketing and technology um, is a huge part of our success at Eloquy, and it's a huge part of a lot of successful companies' um, sort of core competencies, how those teams talk to each other and work together, because if you don't, have good technology coming in, I can't make good decisions. Mm -hmm. So coming up, what's, what's your next priority in terms of where you want to reach customers, what you want to invest in, what you want to learn from the technology team? Like, yeah. how are you looking at what's working and, and plotting for what's next? Uh, well, we have, uh, our, our big initiative right now is stores. And I know, you know, I talked about catalog, I said it's a little old school. Stores are definitely pretty old school. Um, but I think there's sort of a return to a lot of all of these old channels if you come at them um, in a new way and using data in new ways to power decisions that you're making there. Mm -hmm. uh, we're opening our sixth store within the next week. We're really excited about it. Um, and all of, we've had a lot of success in our stores that honestly surprised us a little bit. Part of it is high LTV. I think everybody, it's generally accepted that omni-channel shoppers are the highest LTV shoppers, and we certainly see that to be true. Um, and we find that they're sort of like shoppable billboards for us. So when a store goes up in a key market, we see not only the revenue that comes directly from in those four walls, um, but we see a lift in that market in general. And so then I can essentially take that and market to those people online and become much more efficient there as well. So we're really excited to see how that continues to grow. Mm -hmm. Stores as a marketing channel, I think, is definitely yeah. mm -hmm. a big theme we're seeing. Yeah. Uh, Granny, mm -hmm. I want to open up for questions. Um, does anyone have any questions for Kelly? All right, we have one in the very back, and I'm up here. <laughs> Hi, um, what do you look for in an agency partner? Ooh, I mean, they, they have to be extremely data-driven no matter what they're doing. Um, you know, I talked about direct mail. I think you could find direct mail partners who are old school to the point where maybe they're not slicing the data as many ways as we want. We require that everyone really believes in data and using data to make decisions, um, and that we're not gonna be fighting them every step of the way. Because I think pretty much any agency will eventually do what you say, but I don't wanna waste time going back and forth trying to convince them that my way is the right way. So we really look for that right off the bat. Does the LTV CAC ratio that you look at take into consideration marketing dollars that you're gonna potentially put back into that newly acquired customer for upselling and all of that? Uh, that is such a great question. So essentially like where do your retention marketing dollars go in that? Um, we look at it both ways. So we'll have you know, one set of ratio numbers that's only acquisition marketing, but then we have an all in that includes retention and brand. Um, for us relative to acquisition dollars, it doesn't actually change the story that much. Um, because directionally, like, you're still going to be investing in all the right places if you're optimizing um, the ratio with or without the other spend. But I think it's really important to, spend, to understand what your economics are on the entire life cycle of the buyer. So yes, we do look at it both ways. Okay, different question. Um, are you addressing the bridal market? 
Ooh, that's a good question. Um, we actually, we were not at all initially, and we, uh, we found something really interesting that came out of customer calls that we do. So one of, our, um, one of the pillars at Eloquy is that we're customer-centric, we're really, really close to our customer, um, and twice a year we do a big churn analysis where we identify, using Costora actually, we identify customers who are likely to churn, and we literally, everyone in the company starts calling them. Um, or emailing them and saying, can we set up a call? So everyone in the company gets like 50 people that they reach out to, and we ask them all kinds of questions. Um, and we, we were looking at that one year, and we found something really interesting, which is a, a data pattern that was customers who bought white dresses had really high LTVs. <laughs> and we were like, why does a customer shopping a white dress like mm -hmm. this? You know, it doesn't make any sense. And when we started calling them, a lot of them were telling us, because we do a lot of event wear. We, don't, we didn't do bridal at the time, but we did have event wear. A lot of people were saying, well, I was having a daytime wedding or a second wedding or a wedding that was like a little more casual, so I didn't want the full like poofy bridal dress, um, but I ended up buying my wedding dress from you guys. So I bought just one of your white dresses and wore it. And they had really high LTVs then because, you know, the best day of their lives, Eloquy was there with them. And I mean, this forms this amazing bond that they loved us so deeply that their LTV was so high. Um, and when we saw that, actually, this is a, it's a good example of a customer insight leading to um, a marketing activity that we did. We did a partnership with Stone Fox Bride, which is a small bridal atelier here in New York, and, um, and we developed plus-size dresses with them for the first time. They'd never done plus-size before. So we served as the fit experts. Um, they brought the design expertise for bridal specifically, and we launched that partnership. So we never carried the inventory, but we found a way to address this need that the customers were bringing to us in a way that really made sense in terms of the profitability for us. Great, you have one more back here. Hi, so you talked about stores and mm -hmm. um, thinking a little bit differently about how to measure its performance beyond typical four-wall profitability. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit more about how you might think about different ways to measure it, so, or what advice you might have for traditional retailers that are also rethinking how to measure stores beyond four-wall profitability and thinking about it as an acquisition channel mm -hmm. and how do you really measure the performance? Yeah, I'm, I will probably just sound like a broken record because I keep talking about the LTV-CAC ratio, but that's really what it's all about for us. So we identify who are the new customers from stores, and we just do that, by the way, just purely by asking for emails at checkout, and we have like an 85% email capture rate. Um, so we identify people through their emails, match them back to our web database. Whoever's a new customer then, we track their LTV over time. Uh, we, a really high percentage of them go on to shop on web, and we spend a lot of marketing energy to do that, you know, bag inserts. We make sure to follow up with catalogs and follow up with digital where we're able to. Um, and, uh, and track their LTV over time. And the LTV CAC ratio of a store customer is sky high relative to web. So there's a lot of opportunity there just based on the fact that they had such an amazing in-store experience with us and that they're gonna continue to shop over time. Great, we're out of time, but thank you so much, Kelly. Sure, that was really interesting. I'll grab that. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked our show, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Anchor.fm. Stay tuned. We'll be back soon with another episode.